0: Chapter 20 of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter 20 virtue never appears so amiable as when reaching forth her hand to raise a fallen sister chapter of accidents when charlotte awoke she missed montraville but thinking he might have arisen early to enjoy the beauties of the morning she was preparing to follow him when casting her eye on the table she saw a note and opening it hastily found these words My dear Charlotte must not be surprised if she does not see me again for some time. Unavoidable business will prevent me that pleasure. Be assured I am quite well this morning, and what your fond imagination magnified into illness was nothing more than fatigue, which a few hours' rest has entirely removed. Make yourself happy, and be certain of the unalterable friendship of... Montreville. "'Friendship!' said Charlotte emphatically, as she finished the note. "'It has come to this at last. "'Alas! "'Poor forsaken Charlotte! "'Thy doom is now but too apparent. "'Montreville is no longer interested in thy happiness, "'and shame, remorse, and disappointed love "'will henceforth be thy only attendants." though these were the ideas that involuntarily rushed upon the mind of Charlotte as she pursed the fatal note, yet after a few hours had elapsed, the siren Hope against took possession of her bosom, and she flattered herself she could, on a second perusal, discover an air of tenderness in the few lines he had left, which at first had escaped her notice. "'He certainly cannot be so base as to leave me,' said she and in styling himself my friend does he not promise to protect me i will not torment myself with these causeless fears i will place a confidence in his honour and sure he will not be so unjust as to abuse it just as she had by this manner of reasoning brought her mind to some tolerable degree of composure she was surprised by a visit from belcour the dejection visible in charlotte's countenance her swollen eyes and neglected attire at once told him she was unhappy. he made no doubt but Montraville had by his coldness, alarmed her suspicions, and was resolved, if possible, to rouse her to jealousy, urge her to reproach him, and by that means occasion a breach between them. If I can once convince her that she is a rival, said he. She will listen to my passion, if it is only to revenge his slights. Belcour knew but little of the female heart, and what he did know was only of those of loose and desolate lives. He had no idea that a woman might fall a victim to imprudence, and yet retain so strong a sense of honor, as to reject with horror and contempt every solicitation to a second fault. He never imagined that a gentle, generous female heart, once tenderly attached, when treated with unkindness, might break, but would never harbor a thought of revenge. Her visit was not long, but before he went, he fixed a scorpion in the heart of Charlotte, whose venom embittered every future hour of her life. We will now return for a moment to Colonel Creighton. He had been three months married, and in that little time had discovered that the conduct of his lady was not so prudent as it ought to have been. But remonstrance was vain, her temper was violent, and to the colonel's great misfortune he had conceived a sincere affection for her. She saw her own power, and, with the art of a circe, made every action appear to him, and what light she pleased his acquaintance laughed at his blindness his friends pitied his infatuation his amiable daughter mrs beauchamp in secret deplored the loss of her father's affection and grieved that he should be so entirely swayed by an artful and she much feared infamous woman mrs beauchamp was mild and engaging she loved not the hurry and bustle of a city and had prevailed on her husband to take a house a few miles from New York. Chance led her into the same neighborhood with Charlotte. Their houses stood within a short space of each other, and their gardens joined. She had not been long in her new habitation before the figure of Charlotte struck her. She recollect her interesting features. She saw the melancholy so conspicuous in her countenance, and her heart bled at the reflection that perhaps deprived of honor, friends, all that was valuable in life. She was doomed to linger out a wretched existence in a strange land and sink broken-hearted into an untimely grave. Would to heaven I could snatch her from so hard a fate, said she. But the merciless world has barred the doors of compassion against a poor weak girl who perhaps had she one kind friend to raise and reassure her, would gladly return to peace and virtue. Nay, even the woman who dares to pity and endeavor to recall a wandering sister incurs the sneer of contempt and ridicule for an action in which even angels are said to rejoice. The longer Mrs. Beauchamp was a witness to the solitary life Charlotte led, the more she wished to speak to her, and often as she saw her cheeks wet with the tears of anguish she would say dear sufferer how gladly would i pour into your heart the balm of consolation were it not for the fear of derision but an accident soon happened which made her resolve to brave even the scoffs of the world rather than not enjoy the heavenly satisfaction of comforting a desponding fellow creature Mrs. Beauchamp was an early riser. She was one morning walking in the garden, leaning on her husband's arm when the sound of a harp attracted their notice. They listened attentively and heard a soft, melodious voice distinctly sing the following stanza. Thou glorious orb, supremely bright, just rising from the sea, to cheer all nature with thy light what are thy beams to me in vain thy glories bid me rise to hail the newborn day alas my morning sacrifice is still to weep and pray for what are nature's charms combined to one whose weary breast can neither peace nor comfort find nor friend whereon to rest oh never never whilst i live can my heart's anguish cease Come, friendly death, I mandate give, and let me be at peace. Tis poor Charlotte,' said Mrs. Beauchamp, the pellucid drop of humanity stealing down her cheek. Captain Beauchamp was alarmed at her emotion. "'What, Charlotte?' said he. "'Do you know her?' In the accent of pitying Angel did she disclose to her husband Charlotte's unhappy situation and the frequent wish she had formed of being serviceable to her. I fear, continued she, the poor girl has been basely betrayed, and if I thought you would not blame me, I would pay her a visit, offer her my friendship, and endeavor to restore to her heart that peace she seems to have lost, and so pathetically laments. Who knows, my dear, laying her hand affectionately on his arm, Who knows, but she has left some kind, affectionate parents to lament her errors. And would she return, they might with rapture receive the poor, penitent, and wash away her faults in tears of joy. Oh, what a glorious reflection would it be for me, could I be the happy instrument of restoring her. Her heart may not be depraved, Beauchamp. Exalted woman, cried Beauchamp, embracing her. How dost thou rise every moment in my esteem? Follow the impulse of thy generous heart, my Emily. Let prudes and fools censure if they dare, and blame a sensibility they never felt. I will exultantly tell them that the heart that is truly virtuous is ever inclined to pity and forgive the errors of its fellow creatures. A beam of exulting joy played round the animated countenance of Mrs. Beauchamp at these enconomiums bestowed on her by a beloved husband. The most delightful sensations pervaded her heart, and having breakfasted, she prepared to visit Charlotte. End of chapter 20 Recording by Jill Preston